This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 431. This podcast is brought to you by 2 Before, a natural sports performance superfood made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries, which boast exceptionally high antioxidant levels proven to enhance athletic performance. You can get 30% off a 20-pack plus free shipping when you use code MTA at checkout. Visit 2before.com and use the code MTA. That's the number 2before.com and use the code MTA. Thanks also to our friends at Lagoon Sleep. You wouldn't run a marathon wearing flip-flops, so why would you sleep on a lousy pillow? Try a Lagoon pillow, and for the holidays, you can get this special deal, 25% off their performance pack. That's a $70 savings, or you can save $120 on their Peak Sleep Set. That'll give you two pillows and two silk pillowcases. Save $120 on that deal. Go to lagoonsleep.com MTA. See why we love it. Lagoonsleep.com MTA. And finally, thanks to MetPro Nutrition Coaching for sponsoring the podcast. You can speak with a metabolic expert about your goals and get actionable steps towards fueling for performance, losing weight, adding muscle, or changing your body composition. Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA to get $500 off their concierge coaching. Metpro.co forward slash MTA. Welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower and inspire you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we bring you a marathon success story with Chris Ferens, who went from a near disaster at his first marathon last year to transforming himself into a sub three hour marathoner in 2023. Hear about the mistakes he made along the way and many takeaways that'll help you as you train for your next race. And of course, you can get expert guidance as an Academy member or coaching client find out more over at marathontrainacademy.com okay so angie is back on the mic you were in montana last time took a little trip out there with your sister how was that a lot of driving i bet huh? <laughs> yes we decided to drive it's at least 30 hours of just driving so we managed to do it in two days trading off driving and listening to a lot of audiobooks um, so the driving itself went really smoothly and we were able to see um, family and friends in Montana had a really great time. So yeah, it was definitely a wonderful trip, but felt pretty tired getting back and having one day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, I know. So did you go on any epic runs or hikes out there in Montana? Near where my brother was, we were just right in the mountains near Helena. There's literally like a trail just yards from the house. So Autumn and I got out for some pretty amazing hikes there. Did you stay in any nice hotels? Well, I'm glad you asked that because on the way out there, after our one of our 15-hour days, we stayed at the Drury Hotel, their Des Moines location, which is super easy right off the freeway. We haven't been to that location since we did the Des Moines Marathon. Yeah, it was bringing back memories. Um, there's kind of like a whole little like plaza area that's built up around there, really nice. And then on the way back, we took a different route, kind of went more north. And we went to the St. Paul location in Minnesota, which is downtown. Um, so that was cool because I had never really driven in that area before. So, of course, we mentioned this because Drury is a sponsor of the podcast. They're our longest, oldest sponsor. You can get 15% off any of their locations when you book with the code RUN. That's R-U-N. Get 15% off your stay. They got over 150 locations around the U.S., yeah, so check them out, jurihotels.com. Use the code RUN for 15% off. Before we jump into our conversation today with Chris, we'd like to give some shout-outs to folks in the community, people that are running some end-of-the-year races here or something, right? Something cool. That's so, right. So, Angie, what do you got going on? Well, we heard from Karen. She says, it's been 12 years since I ran my last marathon, and not only did I run the Fort Worth Marathon faster by 52 minutes, but I placed first in my age division. Thank you, Social Distancing Run family, for inspiring and motivating me to keep running. And this comes from a longtime member named Rachel. She says, happy Metal Monday. 
Usually you got to bring rain gear for the Seattle Marathon, but yesterday was great running weather. This was my sixth marathon, but my last one was in January 2020. I've traveled a lot since then and lost some fitness, so I was starting my training almost from ground zero. Luckily, I had MTA coach Carrie to guide me this time, and I felt strong by race day. I finished in 5.45.41. Not my fastest, but I've always been a proud, slow AF runner. I'm very satisfied with my comeback, and I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Got to get in top shape for the Tour du Mont Blanc uh, next year, Rachel. She's going with us. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her there. And this comes from a member named Leah Grace. She says, this past weekend, I did something I wasn't sure I could do. I completed my first 50-mile race. Just getting to the start line wasn't pretty. I had an injury flare-up, ran the Chicago Marathon injured and under-trained, and had a rough time there, then recovered from that and decided to get in some training for the 50-miler. Then 10 days before the race, I got COVID. At that point, I wasn't even sure I'd be able to attempt 50 miles. But by race week, I was feeling better and decided to just go and see what happened. I've never been so nervous in my life. The first 13 miles were enjoyable. The second 15 were a little rough. I had to do some walking, and after mile 28, I couldn't run anymore, so I spent the rest of the race walking as fast as I could. It was cold and lonely and very challenging mentally and physically. Thankfully, with about 10 miles to go, I met three people who were also deep in the pain cave, so we shared that cave all the way to the finish. Pain cave is such a great analogy. Yes, thanks to Courtney DeWalter. She says, I was so happy to cross that finish line and see my daughter taking a video of us. Though this was very painful and definitely not ideal, it showed me just how strong I was and that if you believe in yourself and just keep going, you can definitely conquer anything. Thank you, MTA, for always being supportive and inspirational. And that comes from Leah. Well, congrats, Leah, on finishing your first 50-mile race. Angie, you know how painful that could be. (laughs) Sounds very similar to my experience, the walking the second half. (laughs) (laughs) You've done it a couple times. I have. My second one did not go that great. So (laughs) It's a long time and a long distance for things to go wrong. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) So, yes, very proud of her for persisting, and it sounds like she is very happy. She was able to overcome all those challenges as well. And we got one final note here. This comes from Mark, who is a client of ours. He works with Coach Abby on our team and sent in this nice story. So we thought we'd read this as our final one. Yeah, he says, after getting COVID in 2021, my next two marathons were a disaster. I thought my marathon career was over, but an email from the New York City Marathon in February this year told me it wasn't over yet. I had thought about a coach in the past, but I thought, how hard could running be? And as a 63-year-old experienced runner, having done over 20 marathons in the last 10 years, why did I need one? After swallowing my pride, I signed up for coaching in March and was glad that I did. Coach Abby designed a plan that included the running and cycling that I desired. Her recommendations and accountability was just what I was missing. It was challenging, but also fit me perfectly. Running through the record heat in South Louisiana this past summer was difficult, but having a plan and a coach that took this into consideration helped me train in a safe manner. Sticking to the training plan, I was able to do the New York City Marathon in 4.37, which was 30 minutes faster than my previous two marathons. Nice. I ran from start to finish in an even pace with my last mile being my fastest. This has never happened before. I am now working with Coach Abby to run a 50K in March of 2024, and I know her training will guide me into completing this race feeling strong. To anyone who is considering coaching, it's never too late. No matter how long you've been running or how old you are, there is always something to be learned. Thanks to the entire MTA family, and keep the podcast coming. I have more miles left in me. (laughs) Yes, you do, Mark. (laughs) I like that. Man, thank you for those nice words, Mark. I'm So glad to hear things worked out well for you at the New York City Marathon and all the training. So yeah, this is what we live for. Love it. And this interview that we're going to play now is really interesting because it gives everyone a good before and after snapshot of the changes that are possible between one's first marathon and second marathon. I guess between any two marathons. Uh, We're going to talk with Chris Ferens. He's actually a local here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where we live. He's a certified public accountant. And he started working with me, you know, as my accountant in 2020. And at that point, running marathons was nowhere on his radar. And then, you know, the last three years, we have seen Chris just totally transform. Uh, He's lost 90 pounds. He has worked himself into shape to be a sub three hour marathoner. That's amazing. He just ran sub three at the Richmond Marathon. In the final weeks before the race, uh, he reached out to us and he started 
doing calls with Coach Nicole. We have seen a lot of people through the years who are very driven, very successful, and they just push too hard in their training. They burn out. Um, they have the opposite problem that I have. <laughs> they don't take rest days. I'm a pro at taking rest days. Chris, he was not taking any. And so you will hear, this is very reminiscent of our episode. Uh, it was two episodes ago where we talked about seven questions to ask yourself. Angie, do you remember what the first question was? Are you doing your easy days easy and your hard days hard? Yeah, it's a great question. So we're going to play this conversation with Chris Ferens. In addition to being a CPA, he's got a wife and two kids. His wife, Mallory, is also a runner. And Chris also sits on the board of our local YMCA. He's 36 years old. And uh, we got to do this in person. Coach Nicole was there with me. Angie was still in Montana. So you will hear Coach Nicole on the mic as well. Let's jump into it right now. Well on my way, well on my way. We are here in person with Chris Ferens here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Chris has an awesome story, and we always love to do in-person podcasts. We don't get a chance to do this very often, and I'm joined today by Coach Nicole. So first of all, uh, Chris, we started working together. You're my accountant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that out of the way right now. Yeah. Well, he's my accountant, too. So. <laughs> we'll get that out of the way, too. <laughs> We're actually here in a conference room at co and Associates. I guess you're an associate. When, when do you get right. your name on the building? It's in the works right now. It's in the works right now. Oh, so I'm, I'm just a, a CPA here. Uh, I've been a CPA for more than 10 years and um, work with a lot of great folks, and including you guys. So, Where did you, you go to school? Where did you study? I went to Shippensburg University. Ah, good so old Car- I went to Carlisle High School and then went to Ship and had some great professors at Shippensburg, and I had a great accounting teacher in high school that's largely responsible for me doing what I'm doing today. Were you always kind of like a math guy, numbers guy? To a certain degree, yeah. But I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in high school. I, I was sort of all over the map. And um, again, I had a great accounting teacher in high school, and I, I give him all the credit in the world. Um, so he's largely responsible for me picking this as my final direction. When I first met you in 2020 versus now, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how much weight you had lost. Is it 90 pounds? Yeah. So in 2020, um, I, I was probably about the heaviest I ever been in my life. That's when we got a chance to meet purely in an accounting area, not thinking about marathons at all. <laughs> and uh, that fall, um, like a lot of the country, was looking at getting you know maybe a COVID vaccine, that sort of thing. And um, I had a conversation with my wife. We had just had our son. And uh, I had a conversation with my wife about the COVID vaccine. And I said, well, I'm just going to wait my turn to get the vaccine. They kind of came out in waves, if you remember back. It was like you could get the vaccine if you had pre-existing conditions and that sort of thing. And so I had this conversation with my wife. And my wife said, well, you could probably get it right now. And I said, well, what do you mean? I I don't really qualify yet. And she said, well, did you look at the pre-existing conditions? And I was like, yeah, but I don't have anything going on. I don't take any medications. I have literally nothing. And she was like, well... Did you look at the height and weight chart? Um, She's being really delicate. She's being very delicate. (laughs) And so I looked at it and I looked at, you know, the government BMI chart or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy smokes. So I'm considered to be like obese. I really had never really thought about it. I didn't consider myself to to be obese. And then I looked at this government chart and it's telling me Mm -hmm. just how overweight and out of shape I was. And that was kind of the deciding moment for me. I was like, nobody's ever told me. I never had a doctor tell me. And so that was the deciding moment for me. I was like, I got to do something. And so that something really initially was just, hey, I'm going to eat better. And then I started like, you know, walking and jogging, that sort of thing. And then it just sort of turned into like running and getting back into the local YMCA. And it turned into in 2021 and then in 2022, um, I just sort of started running longer distances, and there was really no plan. It was just, can I run five miles? I've never run five miles, and I ran five miles. Hmm. And I was like, huh, I'm actually okay. Can I run seven? I run seven. That's really what I did for a long period of time. I ran a half marathon then in the fall of 2021. So, so I lost a total of like 90 pounds, really, wow. when it comes down to it. What else did you change about your diet? I mean, initially, I went kind of the low-carb route. Um, It just produced the best results the fastest. I've used it before. I knew it kind of worked, and so I did that. We could talk about this more, but I've I've since shifted my 
mentality revolving around nutrition and carbs dramatically, especially in this marathon prep. So I am very much not anti-carb at the moment. But back then, that's initially what I did. I kind of went kind of a low-carb route. You know, listen, I just needed to get some sort of control over my diet. I got in this habit of stopping at the local store, picking up a carton of ice cream. Uh, that carton of ice cream was exclusively consumed by myself. Uh, there was many times where it was 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock, I'd be eating some ice cream, and I'd finish off the carton and realize that no one else had touched that carton. You were still eating like a teenager in your 30s. Oh, I was very much still eating like a teenager, <laughs> uh, or potentially worse. And so, yeah, I started out by just cleaning all of that up and uh, really getting a handle and, and kind of some control over my, my own personal diet decisions, I guess. That's awesome. When did the idea of a marathon first come into your mind? It, it really just started off with, I guess I ran five or 10 miles. I'm like, okay, I survived. Um, now I'm going to run 12, run 15. And I think one day I just, it was like the night before, I was like, I think I'm going to wake up and see if I could run like you know, 18 miles, I think it was. And, um, and there was no pacing. It was just kind of like, I just want to go do it and see if I could do it. And so I did that and I found out that I could survive it. Uh, I was fine. And I was like, okay, well, that was kind of interesting. And so I think a friend of mine said, well, you're running a lot. I mean, you probably, were you training for a marathon? And I was like, well, no, but I should. <laughs> and so that's what, that's what started the thought in my head. And as I started to consider it, um, you advertise uh, the Richmond Marathon as being, is it the friendliest marathon? Yeah, friendliest. <laughs> yes. So I was like, okay, well, Richmond's not too far away. And also the, the calendar was such that it would sort of work out. And so I signed up for the Richmond Marathon in the fall of 2022. And that's really was kind of the start of uh, my commitment, I'll say. Still didn't have any type of real training plan. It was just sort of myself and I was just sort of uh, logging miles, I guess. Um, you got pretty far that way. Yeah, I logged a lot of miles. I would say two very big issues, though, with what my plan was. Um, number one, I was still uh, quasi-anti-carb, and so my diet decisions were not uh, the best you know, for performance. And then also, I just ran way too many miles and at the same pace. I ran the same pace all the time. Um, no real rhyme or reason. How would you describe that pace? Just kind of a medium hard effort, probably. Precisely. No, um, no easy days. No easy days. In fact, red flags are going off in Coach Cole's mind right in now. In fact, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. In fact, no off days. So oh. from from August of 2022 <laughs> until November of 22, uh, my minimum mileage for a day was five miles. It was all moderately difficult effort. Um, so I would say like kind of the best I could do for the day. And I effectively torched myself. Um, mm. I had like plantar fasciitis. Um, I remember limping around all over the place. I was wearing, you know, a nighttime brace thinking that would resolve it. I didn't take a day off. And my thought was if I took a day off, this fitness that I gained was going to immediately evaporate. Wow. Um, and that evaporation would occur in the, in, in the course of two days. And so <laughs> I didn't take any days off for three, four months. I just ran every single day. On Saturday and Sunday, I would run between 10 and 15 miles. And then Monday through Friday, I would run five. That's what I did for months. Then in the beginning of November, I quickly realized that I may not be running this marathon if I continue to do this. So I did take a couple of days off in this quote-unquote taper that I developed for myself. And so um, we're talking about November of last year for your November, first marathon. Yeah, November of 2022. Effectively, I came into November of 2022 being so beat up that I, I realized that I may not actually be able to do the marathon if, if I continued. So I took a couple of days off. But yeah, it was just sort of logging long, moderate to difficult paced miles um, that really did not further my fitness much. Yeah. Was it. yeah. I'm wondering if you could get away with all of that, you know, obviously being 30, were you 34 then? It's 35. 35 and not being a runner in your past. So your body had never been beat up like that. So maybe because you had a fresh body for running, maybe that's how you got away with it because... 
Most people wouldn't be able to get away with that no. without severe injuries at that, yeah. you know. I, I mean, I definitely had some injuries. And again, I, I had a lot of lingering problems, but I just sort of was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And again, I had it in my head that my fitness level was going to diminish almost immediately. And, and obviously now that I know that's not the case, but back then I had it in my head that if I gave up for a day or two that I was going to lose everything that I worked so hard to gain. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, a big thing that I had to overcome within my own, my own head. I really don't have a, a running background at all. Um, in high school, I played lacrosse. That was the extent of really running for me. In one regard, maybe maybe I wasn't so beat up coming into it, but also I think that certainly exposed uh, the lack of knowledge that I had. Um, right. And, <laughs> and that first marathon was tough. Yeah. Yeah, I had that feel. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. So again, I kind of went into it being being relatively beat up to begin with. And officially my goal was to finish the marathon and to finish it running the whole time. That was kind of my goal. I, I wanted to say that I ran it. That would be um, a win in my mind. And I did substantially accomplish that. It, although it was hot, I pretty much ran it. Although at some very, very slow paces towards the end, I was totally burn up. My nutrition going into it wasn't good. I remember rationing with myself in the morning of that, you know, I want to eat like really well after the marathon. So I don't know that I want to like burn up all my calories before the marathon. So like, I'll eat like an English muffin. Um, And I took like two gels and an English muffin. And I think I carried a banana with me. That was my fuel for the for the marathon. It turned into a super hot day. I remember specifically prior to the marathon looking up the weather report mm-hmm. and thinking to myself, oh, it's going to be beautiful. 78, <laughs> 78 degrees. For a spectator. What a, what a yeah. beautiful day. Um, and so I specifically looked up, oh, fantastic. And it really did start off uh, very pleasant in the yep. beginning. I had my, my nutrition plan in place. And, carrying uh, your banana. Carrying my banana <laughs> and my, uh, my, my gel packet or two. And I, I set off and I went out way too hot also, as most people I would imagine do in the first marathon. I went out at a super fast pace, was feeling really good, was more carved up than ever uh, with my single um, English muffin <laughs> and banana. Uh, so I was feeling really good. And... Um, <laughs> That quickly faded. Uh, I remember it was about mile 13 or 14. I remember kind of looking at my pacing and evaluating how I felt. And I decided at that moment, I was like, I, I need to substantially slow down or my goal of finishing this thing and actually running is completely out the window. I, that was actually a good decision, I'll say, in my part at that point. Really, by the end, I mean, the final five, six miles, I was just focused on finishing it. And it was like you know, consuming anything liquid around me, dumping anything liquid on my head. Um, Mm -hmm. The Richmond Marathon, of course, though, you do have to be very careful. Uh, People are handing out beverages that may not be uh, (laughs) water and or uh, electrolytes. And so I almost consumed uh, some pickle juice and I almost consumed some alcohol uh, that was just sort of being handed out by spectators. And uh, I had never experienced that before, so I had no idea that somebody might just be handing me uh, a shot of liquor. <laughs> and so it was real close. It was real close. I, I had it up to my face, and I was like, oh, no, I can't have that. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I finished it, and I finished it kind of with the goal of running, but it was, it was definitely terrible at the end. I, I felt awful. And what was your time? Uh, it was a 3.50 I mean, you finished solid on your first marathon, sub four. Uh, just speaks to your mental toughness to be able to keep pushing yourself on that hot day. But once you crossed the finish line, and you, you were probably looking for a place to sit down. Yeah, I was. Uh, I got to the finish line. I had at least a half a dozen people, random strangers, come up to me and look me square in the eyes and say, Are you okay? Oh, no, um, that's not a good and, sign. <laughs> no, and I, I mean, it was my first marathon, so I thought that's what everyone did, but as it turns <laughs> out, after talking to some other folks afterwards, that isn't normal, and so, um, so yeah, I was feeling rough. I got the blanket that they offered, and I was completely cramped up, 
and uh, I found a park bench. Um, so when you finish the Richmond Marathon, everything finishes um, on an island in the middle of a river. They have this nice park area. It's really a fantastic setup. I found this park bench, I sat down on it, and I had no idea the level of the relationship that I would be having with that park bench uh, <laughs> for the next hour plus. I mean, I, wow. I really was wow. very thankful for that park bench, uh, <laughs> but I sat there and just sort of, I don't know, kind of moaned in pain for a while. Um, and then a few more strangers asked if I was okay, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And eventually, um, my wife was there, she had done the half marathon. She probably trained more properly and was feeling pretty good uh, after the half marathon. So she came over, um, of course, was like, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> why does everybody keep asking me this question? Um, she realized that, yeah, I was, I was fine, but obviously feeling a little rough. So I sat there for, for quite some time, and eventually I convinced myself that it, it was time to move. And so I was able to get in the car. We actually drove home then, but I was I was completely sore to levels I had never really experienced before at that point. Oh, yeah. Was your thought when you finished that, you're like, I want to do another marathon? Or were you like, never again? What was your feeling? My thought initially was, I mean, honestly, almost instantly after I finished, I thought I could have done that so much better. I knew almost immediately that I made a lot of mistakes and I, that I could do better than what I just did. I didn't know what the mistakes were, but I knew I had made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I don't remember if I committed immediately in my own head to, to doing another marathon on that at that very moment as people were asking whether or not I was going <laughs> to live for the day. But pretty soon thereafter, I decided, I think I want to do this again, and I think I want to make some improvements. I also committed to cleaning up the diet some more. So, you know, although it had gotten me a long ways and I lost a lot of weight, I still wasn't really making the best diet choices in that I was like anti-carb and, you know, this and that. And so I really kind of zeroed in on my diet and then I made a real commitment to like strength training. But the whole time lingering in the back of my head was this like, okay, I want to do another marathon, and so what do I need to do to kind of get to that eventually without running seven days a week right. for nine months? Yeah, um, that didn't work the first Didn't time. work the first time, <laughs> uh, and I wasn't willing to go through that same level of, of suffering again. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation thus far. Quick break to thank our awesome sponsor, Lagoon Sleep. You know, your pillow is fundamental to how well you sleep at night, and rest and recovery is so important as a runner. So you want to make sure that the thing you lay your head on for eight plus hours every night is the exact right fit for you. No one likes waking up with neck pain, especially Angie. If listeners are anything like me, they probably don't even think much about their pillow until they wake up with neck pain and think like, oh no, this pillow is no longer doing the job. And I've had this pillow for X number of years Lagoon Sleep has this awesome quiz that you can go through and they will suggest kind of match you with a pillow that fits the answers to the quiz. I was matched with the Hippo Pillow and I really love it because it's firm and it's also customizable. Each of their pillows comes with extra filling so you can just really optimize it for your sleeping experience. With the holidays coming up, Lagoon Pillows can make the perfect gift. Um, they have gift cards so you can gift your loved ones with the experience of picking out their own perfect pillow and Lagoon offers free fast shipping to your loved ones. They also have some great holiday deals in addition to the 15% off discount. They have some exclusive offers for our listeners. You can save 25% on the performance pack that consists of a pillow of your choice, a silk pillowcase, a travel bag, and a runner's cap. That's $70 off when you get that package. And then they have the Peak Sleep Set, and you can save $120 on this. It comes with two pillows and two silk pillowcases. Yep, they're made for runners, by runners. Lagoonsleep.com slash MTA to find those discounts. That's lagoonsleep.com slash MTA. Thanks also to our sponsor, Two Before, a natural sports superfood made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. Super tasty and also give you quick energy. That's right. They're also proven to enhance athletic performance. These berries are science-backed and benefit-packed. Um, they recommend that you use them like as a pre-workout. So you drink it 30 to 45 minutes before you work out. I actually took some before we recorded because I tend to get this afternoon slump. <laughs> so I'm like, what better than a natural pick-me-up without caffeine in the mid-afternoon. So boom, here I am. <laughs> boom, you were showing up on the mic, Angie. I know. I haven't seen you yawn one time. 
That's usually that's your... true. I'm usually like yawning every... <laughs> <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, guys. <laughs> Blackcurrant berries have been shown to improve endurance by increasing blood flow, clearly to my brain, making it more efficient for the body to pump oxygenated nutrient-rich blood to the muscles. It also helps kickstart recovery by reducing muscle soreness, managing inflammation, and it strengthens your immunity, which this time of year, there can be all sorts of viruses going around. So just go to two before, two before, that's actually the letter two, two before, get 30% off their 20 pack and free shipping with our code MTA at checkout. That's two before.com and use the code MTA. So marathon 2.0. Yeah. Right. Things went just amazingly different this second time. Not only did you run faster, you got, you know, sub three hour marathon, but you didn't Spoiler die. Alert. <laughs> yeah. I didn't die. Um, not one single person asked me if I was okay afterwards. Oh, wow. Not a single person. Um, <laughs> my wife asked me, you know, how are you feeling? But that was it. Um, yeah, you, you look know, fresh, dude. I saw you at the finish line and you looked, you weren't on a bench. I wasn't on the bench. I looked <laughs> I looked at that bench. Uh, there was one moment in time where I thought, do I need the bench? Nope, I don't need the bench this year. <laughs> so I was feeling good and decided to leave that seat for someone else who, who might be in need this year. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so this year, yeah, I made a lot of changes. And I would say it started certainly with the strength work. Um, that absolutely paid off. And then, uh, again, I worked this summer on like just increasing speed a little bit, um, continuing the strength work. And then in the summer of 2023, I decided, okay, I think I want to do a marathon again. And I'd like to improve the time. I didn't know what my goal would be per se, but I knew I wanted to do better. And I knew that I needed to have a plan Yeah. Um, because my own plan last year, again, led to that park bench and a world of pain. <laughs> and um, that's when I reached out to Trevor and I said, Hey, you know, I've been running, you know, I'm in reasonable shape, uh, certainly better shape than the year before, but I'd like to buy a plan. I wasn't really sure what level of plan I should buy. You guys offer plans for different pacing and so I, you and I had a quick conversation and you knew some of my background at that point in time and, and sort of my uh, condition the prior year of overtraining. And you had recommended, I think it was it was like the 320 or 325 plan. So I got that from you, um, bought that through the MTA website and it was super helpful. So almost immediately, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders because I was no longer responsible for what this plan was going to be. I now had something that I needed to follow. And for me, it wasn't so much that like I needed to wake up the next morning and run a certain number of miles. It was I needed to wake up the next morning and that's my off day. Um, yeah. And so I guess I made a deal in my head with myself that if I decided not to do an off day, like I've officially not followed the plan. I followed my own plan. Mm -hmm. And again, so for me, you know, having that plan in place with set off days, with set days of extreme um, kind of intensity and intentionality and other days with easy pacing and um, one long run a week and also having the whole plan out in front of me that, that I could look at it and see what's coming up was super helpful. So I started with the 325 plan and I was feeling really good. Again, I was gonna st stick very specifically to what the plan was with regard to number of miles and days of wheat training, because I decided again, if I if I was going to deviate from that, now if something goes wrong, it's on me, because <laughs> now I've I've left the MTA plan and now I'm on the Chris plan, which again didn't go so well. The park bench plan. The park bench plan. That's right. Um, I decided at that point, okay, I'm going to stick to the mileage and I'm going to I'm going to stick to the number of days. But if I was feeling good as the training progressed. I decided I would increase the pacing on the hard days. The easy days would always remain easy. Perfect. And then I always um, made sure that my hard days were hard. And if I was feeling really good, I would sort of adjust the pacing for the hard days accordingly to make them a little bit harder for myself. On my easy days, I definitely uh, was very mindful of my pacing. I did a lot of nasal breathing. So, you know, I would just 
run and generally speaking try to keep my mouth closed and so if I could do that and I was uh, maintaining a certain pace I knew I was sort of tracking well I also would occasionally make sure that you know on my easy days that I actually looked at my watch more frequently and I would slow myself down if if I was going too fast I I really intentionally stuck to the easy days and kept them as easy as possible but you didn't um, use the heart rate monitor I did not. Um, Since you're a data guy, you'd probably like having a chest strap. I think that's the yeah the next level for me in training would be maybe you know getting one of those and using that data to kind of move forward. But I do like tracking um, sort of activity level. You're using an app to track. I just use um, like Runkeeper or something. I use Runkeeper. Okay. Um, I like to have the data available. Your mind plays tricks on you, so it's nice to to be able to look back and really see historically where you've come from or what you were doing. And eventually I got to a place where uh, on my hard days, whatever the pacing was that was prescribed, I was subtracting about a minute off of it. So I was doing a 325 plan. And you know, if it said like, you know, a seven minute pacing, um, then I was maybe cutting it back to like a six or a 610 something like that. So was that like a tempo run on the schedule? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if it was like a tempo run, um, I would just subtract some some time off of it Mm -hmm. um, if I was feeling good. And I just kind of kept doing that. Once I got to that place, I just consistently was subtracting the same amount of time off of whatever the prescribed hard run was. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that was only on hard days. And it was the same exact mileage that was prescribed. It was just basically backing up the time. And my goal was then, okay, if I could if I could do that, and if I could maintain uh, the rest of the schedule, then I'm kind of tracking pretty well. But you were one week behind on the schedule, correct? You started one week late? Yep, so I'd, I started one week late. Uh, I knew it was a problem the entire prep, but I just decided <laughs> that's, that's a problem for tomorrow. Um, so I just kind of continued on and things were going well. The long runs, they're just an incredible confidence booster. Um, and especially with training in central Pennsylvania in the fall, you've got the weather changing. So the weather's in your favor. There were several mornings that, you know, I got up 5.15, 5.30 and I'd set off and my pacing was just substantially better than I ever imagined. And I'd be like, well, I'm feeling pretty good. And so I would continue on. Yeah, I think a combination of the weather and um, the appropriate amount of days of training led to some really great long run progress and feeling fantastic afterwards. Um, Really feeling very good after the long run, recovery was fine. And it was after one of those long runs, and I think I called you again and said, hey, I'm progressing pretty well. I think I wanna work with a coach. And that's when you linked me up with Nicole. And it was, I mean, again, one of the best decisions that I made in this process, for sure. So I think we were like two weeks out from the marathon. (laughs) Yeah, it was the time that he would be tapering. It was like, I talked to him on the Friday and that weekend he was supposed to do a tapered long run, but he had it in his mind to do another 20 miler. In retrospect, it was a terrible idea, but I had, (laughs) I had it set in my mind that because I was one week off in the plan, that I would skimp out on the taper week, mm-hmm. um, and I would peel off a little bit of the oh, taper wow. week. Okay. And uh, and so I I had in my head this was a Friday. I had in my head that mm-hmm. we were gonna I was gonna set off the next day and do a twenty mile long run. So almost immediately, Coach Nicole said, "No, you're not gonna run twenty miles tomorrow." <laughs> and yeah, I gotta say, Angie said that too because I, <laughs> I bounced it off her. Yeah, I want to give my perspective of how the story went. So. Trevor first texted me, and then I think maybe we talked on the phone. He said, you know, Chris wants to run a sub-three-hour marathon. His first marathon was 3.50, and, you know, he's down to a couple weeks. He's been running faster paces on all his long runs. Would you like to talk to him? And I thought to myself, as the coach, the reasonable coach that I am, I thought, wow, this guy's in trouble. He is is going to go to that marathon totally overcooked. He's going to run too hard, and he's going to blow up in this race. This is before I talked to Chris. So then um, Chris emailed me some of his um, information about his training runs over the last weeks before, his long run paces and that type of thing. And so I looked at them, and I thought, wow, he has been running quite fast for his long runs. Um, So I thought, well, I need to talk to him. I need to find out 
really how he's feeling because you can run those fast paces. You're pretty much racing every weekend, potentially, um, but you're going to be pretty beat up. You're going to be tired, not going to be recovering properly. Let's talk about all the, those kind of metrics, like how are you feeling, you know, your resting heart rate, all those types of things. So once I got on the phone with Chris that Friday, I realized not even halfway into the conversation that there was a potential that he could run a three-hour marathon, which mm. was a surprise to me, to be honest. Um, and I just shared that with Chris last week when we talked after the marathon. Um, but, you know, after talking to him, and I think by the end of that first conversation, I did say to him, I think it could be possible. And I think that was uh, encouraging to you just to get that validation. But I said, you need to be really smart over the next couple of weeks. Let's really talk about what you're going to do. Like scrap your own plan. Let's talk about (laughs) the two long runs that you had left. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about the other. You kind of followed the schedule. Angie's schedule for the last couple of weeks, except for the long run. We Mm -hmm. made sure that you tapered well. And I think I gave you maybe some marathon pace miles on mm-hmm. on that 14 mile run that you did that Saturday and some I, strides, right? We put mm-hmm. some strides in there somewhere. Yeah. When I talked to you, I was very healthy. Um, I didn't have any plantar fasciitis issues this entire prep, um, any real knee issues or anything. And so I was coming into it pretty healthy. I was feeling good. The long runs were definitely a confidence booster. And that was the reason why I made that call. When I initially set off for this, I didn't think I was going to be in three-hour shape by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that final couple weeks, I was like, okay, well, nothing has happened. I mean, I'm healthy. I've hit some paces. Maybe it is possible. And yeah, that initial phone call with you was able to solidify in my head that, yes, it is possible, but don't mess it up. You had said, listen, you've done the work. Uh, We need to make sure that you get there and that you're healthy. And the next two weeks are going to really determine whether or not it's possible because you've you've done the work. Again, so unlike unlike the first buildup, <laughs> the first marathon, you you weren't going to lose fitness. No, uh, even in two weeks uh, during the taper and the rest. Uh, so that, and that's important because we've heard this from a lot of people through the years. Uh, they call it taper madness because mm-hmm. people think that they're going to start seeing diminishing returns on their fitness if they don't keep pushing hard all the way to the end. It was still mentally difficult. I mean, even with Nicole and and her guidance, I was very committed to following uh, her plan, the plan, and not my own plan. Um, But it was still difficult. A couple things were at play. That initial phone call we had, the other 20-mile run that I had earlier in the training plan, I had some plans on Sunday, and so I had to run on Saturday. And Saturday's weather was terrible. And I originally had said in my head that I was going to run um, outside, of course, and the weather was awful. And so I, I said to myself, okay, I can run outside, potentially get a bunch of blisters. Um, so it was or, another heavy rain weekend that we have around here. Mm-hmm. And I could, or I could run inside on a treadmill. And so I picked the inside route. And so I went to the Y, I went to the assault the assault runner with like some gels. People thought I was nuts. And uh, <laughs> so I, I set off and I did a 20 miler, but- On a treadmill, he did 20 miles on a treadmill. It was the YMCA. Awful. And so people came and went, uh, <laughs> several rounds of cardio folks and friends I saw along the way. Uh-huh. Um, but when we talked on the phone, I was set to do another 20 miler the next mm-hmm. day in right. my own head. And, And it was really to prove to myself that, okay, I did the 20, I did fantastic pacing. Mm -hmm. I did 20, it was between 6.30 and 6.45 the entire time. But it was on an assault treadmill, an assault runner. And so I wasn't really 100% sure, like, was that easier than what I would have done outside or harder? So you're going to do another 20 the next day. To prove to myself (laughs) that that I could do it. Wow. Um, And that would have set myself up for failure for sure. And so when we got on the phone, I I had in my head that I was going to do 20 miles outside, and you convinced me very quickly that was a terrible idea. So... (laughs) Uh, we did the 14, and I think initially you might have wanted to do like a normal like 14-mile run, and I think I was a little bit disappointed, and you said, well, we could mix in some marathon pacing in the middle, and I was like, okay, I'll take it. That was like a, it was, yeah, it was a yeah, nice, right. uh, yeah, it was a compromise. It was a nice compromise, mm-hmm. and that did feel good. So I, I did the 14, felt fantastic, had the marathon pacing, which was the confidence boost that I did need at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And you guys talked like three times 
before the marathon. Mm -hmm. Yep. We talked a lot about his fueling plan because um, I quickly learned that he was under fueling on his runs. He was barely hydrating. Um, So we talked about the importance of that and we talked about, you know, how many carbs per hour and at his pace. We talked very specifically uh, what kind of gels worked for him and if his stomach could tolerate it, what was on the race course. So that was that second call. We talked a lot about fueling, I remember, and about pacing. Yeah, so important. And then the third call was two days before the marathon. We talked on the Thursday, and the marathon was on Saturday. And that was kind of, I already had sent him a race plan, which specifically had a pacing plan and a fueling plan, and it um, took into account the course. Um, the course elevation, the hills, all of that. And so he had already gone over that. So that last call was just like sort of confirming everything. And I think we also went over um, just be prepared for this and that. Contingencies. You know, the night before, make sure that you have everything prepared. And then even after the race, we talked about after the race, make sure that you have a plan for fueling afterwards and for when you have to get back to your car and that type of thing. Because I shared the story of my first marathon which was in zurich because i was living in germany at the time and i didn't really have a plan for eating afterwards i didn't think i needed a plan we were going to get in the car and drive back and i thought well we'll just stop on the way back at one of the great rest stops that they have in germany you know Mm -hmm. there'll be some spaghetti or something i could eat right well we were on the autobahn and all of a sudden traffic completely had stopped and it was just all everyone's cars were off we're just all sitting there no not food. moving. No idea what's going on. No food. I have nothing. I don't even think I had a granola bar. I don't think I had anything after the marathon. Mm. I was still in my sweaty clothes. This this is like Angie's nightmare. Right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I just didn't plan for it because we were gonna stop. And so find out that there were some cows crossing the highway. <laughs> so they had completely stopped. And we were there for, it was probably an hour oh, before wow. we moved. Um, and I think once we got moving, we did stop. But it was hours after my marathon. And that's not what you want to do. So I, I told Chris, you might not like what they have to offer at the race. Have some food, you know, and maybe a bagel, uh, something in your car. Because I knew he was driving home right away. So, and it, they'll come into play later when he tells it, the rest of his story all, <laughs> let's hear it yeah all of that came in all of that advice was uh so handy i i mean again night and day difference between my plan and what i did the year before versus what you laid out for me the entire time that we worked together and, and those phone calls completely changed what i likely would have done on my own the taper was well thought out and well set up and it kept uh, my confidence up and I was able to, to stay in the right sort of mental headspace throughout that two-week period of time. Um, nice. The phone calls, I, I, of course, looked forward to them. We talked a lot about nutrition, like you said, and the importance of fueling. And so you're right. I mean, my training runs, I was not treating them appropriately, especially the hard days. The, mm-hmm. the easy days, I think for me... You know, I wake up early in the morning. If I'm going to run an easy five miles, I, I'm probably okay if I don't eat anything. Um, but on my hard days, and this is an improvement for myself for next year to really make a better effort of properly fueling for those. And so, I'd say, uh, generally speaking, you want to you want to do um, on race day exactly what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a pretty agreeable stomach. And so I was able to make some changes in the last two weeks and really ramp up the fueling that I was going to have on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and my stomach was able to tolerate it just fine. That's not necessarily going to be the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of lucked out. But we dramatically changed what my race plan uh, fueling was going to be. And I think that I potentially consumed as much carbohydrate and total calorie intake in the first eight hours of my day on marathon day. Um, than I did the entire day the year before. And uh, so I think I did a total of uh, like five gels the day of during the marathon, and I had plenty of fuel the morning of. Um, Nice. So it was a dramatic change, to say the least. But what was the most beneficial thing is you just, you helped lay it all out, and it set me up in a place where I could perform Um, my absolute best the day of. I came into it fresh. I came into it completely fueled. And things are going to happen along the way. 
Um, but Talk having about a what plan. happened with your wife, with her plan for her running her half marathon. Yep. So, so my wife forgot her sports bras, and so we ran out actually the morning of, of the marathon. Uh, of the marathon. Oh, wow. Ran to a Walmart. Not ideal um, huh. for for her either. I mean, not you know yeah. she would not be buying those at Walmart necessarily. But Walmart <laughs> Walmart bailed us out. Um, Walmart is not a sponsor of this podcast. Nope. They're the only ones open that hour, probably. Right. Yeah. Walmart bailed us out. Again, so having a plan and having you help me with that plan really had me set up as well as possible coming into race day. Mm -hmm. And things still happened, but it's not for lack of planning. It just life happens. And um, because we had a plan in place, everything else was lined up very well. So these little types of things that came up that we forgot or whatever um, sort of rolled right off and you know, we're less of a problem because we had everything else in place. Hey, quick break to thank our sponsor, MetPro. When it comes to figuring out nutrition, it's pretty tricky to figure this stuff out on your own. Of course, you definitely can. You heard how Chris was able to drastically cut carbs in order to lose weight. Then he had to start adding uh, more carbs into his diet in order to boost up his energy for long runs and also on race day. So yeah, you can definitely figure it out on your own, uh, but it also is a lot easier if you have an expert to guide you. And you know, Angie, when I heard Chris talk about uh, cutting carbs and then adding more carbs in, it reminded me of the up adjusting and down adjusting that uh, we've heard the folks at MetPro talk about. And this is really helpful as a runner because you want to be fully energized and fueled well for races. So basically you want to be focusing on performance during certain times of the year and you want to be focusing on other goals, like maybe changing your body composition or losing weight um, during your off season and during certain times of the year. Um, so it's really helpful to have a coach to guide you through that and an accountability partner and just helping you every step of the way. For females, often certain times of the month, it's really challenging um, to be on a down adjust. And so you need sometimes a few extra carbs in your diet just to help with cravings and things like that. And they are all about that. It's really amazing. Check them out at metpro.co slash MTA. Talk to one of their experts, see if it's a good fit for you. And if you decide to work with them, you can save 500 bucks if you tell them that we sent you metpro.co forward slash MTA. How did it feel to cross the finish line? You didn't know your exact time, but I'm sure you knew that you'd done pretty well. No, so I woke up, you know, well-fueled. I ate a tremendous amount of calories uh, beforehand. (laughs) Um, You had given me the advice of taking a gel right before the race starts, which I would never consider doing. So I I took a gel, uh, felt fantastic, a swig of water, and um, set off. Um, you gave me the advice of just sort of hang back. So I hung back a little bit, just back of the three hour pacers. And uh, we were a little ways in and I realized that the pace was substantially faster than the three hour pace. And so at that point I was already miles, miles in. And so I was a little bit worried for a while that we might've went out too fast. I still was feeling good. We had perfect weather. And although I set off a little bit too hot with that three hour group, I guess it was mile eight or nine. I was still feeling good. Um, I hung with them a little bit longer. Really, the good chunk of the early part of the race, they were they were all running faster than a three-hour pace. And you had warned me that that could be a possibility. So yeah, I ran along, ate the gel packs, stuck to the nutrition plan that you lined up, and it, it really worked out very well. The final, I guess, three miles, I had this realization. I was like, effectively, you okay, I've done it. Um, Hmm. I'm there. I mean, I could do a 10 minute a mile pace for the next three miles and I'm going to basically be there. I did the the epic downhill finish, which uh, (laughs) you really do have to pay attention to your feet uh, in that final downhill. It's like a ski slope. It it really is. Um, (laughs) I didn't know I was coming in where I did. I ended up at uh, 2.57 and change. I think it was 2.57, 14 or 15. I didn't know that's exactly where I was, but I knew I was well under three hours um, by a couple of minutes. So yeah, I ended up feeling absolutely fantastic. Um, that's, a, that's awesome. It was it was tremendous. I got to the end, and I looked at that park bench, 
I was like, <laughs> I was like not today, my friend. Uh, so that I was able to walk past it successfully. Um, my wife and I got reunited. I, I was feeling really good. Then I was able to run into to Trevor. Um, we were standing in line. And at that point, yeah, I was feeling great. Uh, night and day difference over the year before. I actually got to enjoy the experience, um, got to smile and really soak it in a bit. It really speaks to the discipline that you have, the mental toughness to be able to execute like that, to, to run a sub three hour marathon. You're probably in like the top 5% of people that run marathons. Mm -hmm. You qualified for Boston. I was looking at the Boston numbers. If you run a sub three, you're in Boston. You qualify at any age. So yeah, tremendous, tremendous work, Chris. We're, we're honored to, that we could have a small part in helping you uh, accomplish this. No, I'm I'm eternally grateful to both of you guys, your support, and making this possible for me. Again, uh, my own plan did not work out the year before, <laughs> and Nicole's advice continued after the race. I finished the 257. I'm feeling ecstatic. I ate a slice of pizza, and uh, we were driving back home. We've got kids at home, and so um, we drove back home, and we planned to stop. We generally try to stop somewhere that's maybe not a chain, and uh, so we start looking at different places to go, and my wife finds a great place off of an exit in Virginia, and so we had driven about 45 minutes, and so this is probably two hours after the marathon had ended. We got off this exit, and almost immediately, it was like eight lanes of traffic off this exit, <laughs> and it was leading to a shopping center that apparently was like the only place to shop in a hundred mile radius. Um, so we, we got off and we're sitting in bumper to bumper traffic. We get to the restaurant and the restaurant uh, hostess was very nice. And she said, well, we don't have any seats available, but you can sit at the bar if you'd like. Fantastic. I'll sit at the bar. So we, we got to the bar and uh, we ordered our appetizers and I knew something was off. Um, she ordered appetizers. It was a very nice place. And she took down uh, the order just with a normal notepad and then walked it back to the kitchen and she came back out. We eventually got our appetizers. Then we were informed that although we ordered our appetizers and our lunch at the same time, she had not put in the order for the lunch yet, only the appetizers. <laughs> so we've got the appetizers, uh, but the lunch order had not been placed and they were officially not taking orders any longer oh. because <laughs> they're... Their point of sale system went they went down. Oh um, so POS is down, and they're not going to take any more orders. And so at this point, I had eaten one slice of pizza, a granola bar, a bite of the greenest banana you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> then at the restaurant, um, I ate six shrimp and uh, and half of a order of Brussels sprouts. And so I'm hungry to say the least. And uh, and we're leaving there knowing that, well, now we don't really have that much time to stop somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And we've already spent more than an hour off of this exit for a half order of Brussels sprouts and a few shrimp. Um, and so luckily, Coach Nicole had given me this advice and this story about, about her experience. And so I did pack some extra stuff. And so I snagged a uh, like a protein bar. And I had English muffin or two. And so mm -hmm. I kind of chomped away at that on the drive back to Pennsylvania. But yeah, no, that, that was fantastic advice. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe that it all sort of just played out like that. So I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, I like when people take my advice too. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I'll be honest, I hesitated at first. That, that initial phone call and you said, you're not going to run 20 tomorrow. I'm like... The heck I'm not. <laughs> I already had it in my head I was going to do it. And so, uh, but you really, you talked me off of that pretty quickly. And I think what you said initially in saying, you've done the work. Don't mess it up in the fourth quarter. And when I do the coach consultation calls, when I talk to people, I usually get a pretty good idea in the first few minutes talking to them, whether they're going to be an ideal coaching client or not. And if I feel like they're going to be resistant to it, I do talk a little bit about trusting the process. So when I do have someone that I'm talking to and they're, they're very open to what I'm talking, even on this call, I will tell them you're going to be an ideal coaching client. Hmm. And I think that's a, that makes them feel good. 
but it's all about trusting the process. Yep. So glad that we got uh, linked up together and super excited to have qualified for Boston. I realized and I, I recognize that a lot of folks, you know, work for a long time to be able to potentially do that. And, you know, for me to be able to get there this year was certainly unexpected when I set off this summer. But I'm I'm eternally grateful, you know, to be able to, to have gotten there and eternally grateful for you guys for for helping me make that happen. We appreciate you, Chris. Thanks for sharing your story on the podcast and all the progress you've made from the weight loss, the all the countless hours of training, the cross training, the long runs, the speed work. You put in the work and it paid off big time. And so we're super proud of you. And again, thanks for sharing your story on the, on the podcast with us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Nicole, thanks for joining us. It was my pleasure. All right. Well, big thanks to Chris Ferens for sharing his story on the podcast. Angie, have you ever finished a marathon and just been so exhausted you just collapsed on a bench? No, I have not. But you have. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have. I yeah. always keep moving because I know I'll stiffen up otherwise. Angie finishes a marathon and doesn't sit down until the next day, just on principle. That is, that is untrue. <laughs> and we do have a team of coaches who are experts at guiding Runners, no matter where you are in your journey, you could be a new runner, you could be an experienced runner. You don't know what you don't know, as they say. But coaches, they can give you that good outside perspective. Sometimes it's the voice of reason. So if you're wondering what coaching could do for you, you can get on a free call with Coach Nicole, and you can access that on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com forward slash coaching, or just go to our website and look for the coaching page. That's marathontrainingacademy.com forward slash coaching. Hey, also look for us on social media. We'd love to connect with you anywhere, really. Uh, We're at Marathon Academy on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a contact form on our website if you want to send us a question. we got a couple more episodes before the year is over. Here's to a strong finish to 2023. Good luck to anyone out there listening who has a race or two uh, on the calendar still, squeezing them in before the end of the year. Until next time, stay safe out there. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.